Sorry y'all, I ain't got no haters. All I got is mother mother players. We get money in mother mother layers. Sorry y'all, I ain't got no haters. Sorry y'all, I ain't got no haters. Welcome to Life Karma. All I is maids and waiters. All I got is suits and gators. Y'all lost and I'm lost Vegas. Sorry y'all, I ain't got no haters. Everybody love black cat, dark Vader. I love when he says, you're lost, and I'm Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> SB here. Oh, BA with his kids listening to Ice Cube. Don't judge me. Don't judge him. Don't judge me, people. Well, I go right ahead. Who cares? Yeah. Doesn't matter anymore. Doesn't. Because it does not matter. You now no longer have an ego, because oh, ego is the enemy. As a lawyer, I do. I just finished this book by Ryan Holiday called Ego is the Enemy. It's a fascinating book. I am going to read it. One of the, uh, yeah, so you can borrow that. So uh, one of the great quotes of that book is, if you know everything, you can't learn anything. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> and I'm I'm always, like, I'm always, I feel like I always think, it's funny, the more you learn, the more you realize you know nothing. Yeah, like Socrates, you know, he's, yeah. he just thought he was a complete, by the end of his life, he's like, oh, there's so much more that I don't know than I don't, I do know, you know. Yeah, didn't Einstein say something like, I want... What do you say? Like almost like I want the knowledge of God. The rest is details. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> but you know this this book has had me uh, reflect upon how many times uh, I use my ego uh, to just puff myself up in my own mind. Well, define ego for me. I mean, like, well, what do you mean by that? This is uh, in this particular case, it uses ego as really um, connecting with needless pride to set yourself above others, right? Um, and it's it's um uh, it's the opposite of humility, you know. And uh, because ego gets you in trouble, um, the way he positions this, the way he defines it, um, I I, th I think it's actually fascinating. I learned a lot, and um, I learned that uh, it's healthy to set my ego to the side to see what I can learn from any situ any given situation. So tell me this week what you've learned by setting your ego aside. Um. I've learned that life's a process, not an event. Oh, man. And that I, you know, just need to continually uh, improve myself over how, time. So, how And do I you, can't do that if I have a huge ego. It's going to get in the way. Well, yeah. You're going to have a blind spot. Yeah, because it's going to be like, I'm the man. You suck. I'm the man. You're constantly raising yourself up. Yeah. Which reminds me of the t-shirt we're dropping with Athena. Right. That has the owl in her blind spot. Ooh. The That's, owl symbolizes her blind spot, always watching her knowledge blind spot there you go so you gotta know what you don't know right but yeah no i like the part i was just flipping through here yeah like you said to stay a student right stay a student and and you just it's just like consume learning and be better and that's really hard because the ego gets in the way of all that well that's that's why i'm always scared of new attorneys i know i've spoken about this before on here but i'm always scared of new attorneys because they're still students like Right. Maybe they know something new in the law that I don't. Right, but you you learn from them. So you learn, I would say that you know a lot, but you also learn a lot every week, every day. Yeah. And that, that makes you different. I mean. Well, if you just want to stay humble, just have a wife. Oh, yeah. Like, they keep you humble. I know. They make you realize you know nothing. Yeah. I've been, uh, I've been on this kick lately that when my son... Ben passes gas. Everybody laughs and thinks it's cute. <laughs> when I pass gas, everybody thinks it's vulgar and disgusting. And I'm like, why the double standard? Why the criticism? Well, because you know, you know, your wife loves your kids more than she loves you. I mean, that's oh, just, that's totally true. Like yeah. anything my kids do, 
It's cute and funny. Everything I do is like annoying. Well, I remember I was in your house yesterday or the couple of days ago and Em's like, it was complaining about something and she was Mm. blaming you. Of course. (laughs) And I said, well, really? You think that's him? I don't know if it is or not. You know, that was a dumb question. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Of course it's my fault. So anyway. Everything's my freaking fault. Yeah. So I just like, I welcome criticism. So the ego doesn't welcome criticism. But I welcome real criticism right um i don't want to just be criticized for criticized sake right yeah I, I, like constructive criticism yeah i don't need to know you're my boss to know you're my boss like i don't need you to be an a-hole right to prove you're my boss right thank no. you right but no thank you I exactly whatever I, yeah. I, that, then that goes back to their ego yeah totally they have to feel important and they somehow have to feel above someone else this, this is insane a, yeah it's a, it's a weird deal so this idea of continual uh, learning, a journey of uh, understanding. Um, if you see it differently, I want to be fascinated by that, learn from you, all that kind of stuff. We sort of talked a little bit that, a little bit about it last week, but anyway. But my ego, I will say my ego gets me places. I would say your confidence gets you places. I know, and we kind of talked about this, but I think it is a hard line between the confidence and the ego. To figure out yeah. what the difference is. Because believing in yourself, having confidence, being driven competitively, you know, is um, is not necessarily connected to ego. And he uses examples like of, um, of Walsh, the, the football coach mm-hmm. for the 49ers. He uses examples in history that are um, not a lot of people know about. That these people really were process-oriented people, less driven by ego. He, he, and then he uses examples of like Napoleon Bonaparte's complete destruction was because of his huge, gigantic ego. And he just didn't learn from his mistakes. And he had this dream of conquering the world. And, and, uh, just, um, after his, after his rampage, uh, you know, that Europe was still no better, no worse, but many, 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 many people had died. So, um, but did lot- Michael Jordan have an ego? I think Michael Jordan had less of an ego and more of a competitive drive to win, especially when you watch that series on, on mm-hmm. Michael recently. Right. Um, See, he definitely believed he was the greatest of all time. I mean, like there was no doubt, I think, for him that he believed he was the best of all time. Right. Um, as he got older, he became more known as, as someone that bring up, brought out the best in his players and his teammates, right? He was driven completely driven he wasn't afraid to take the last shot but but yet if anybody reduced their effort and didn't produce their greatest effort it really upset him to the point where you know he got in scuffles with his own teammates about it so did he have ego did he have pride sure um but it seems like his his teammates only realized that after the fact you know and a lot of them said that, that they didn't realize till after Michael Jordan, that he really brought out the best in them. At the time, right. they just thought... They hated him. This guy sucks. Yeah, it's like Vince Lombardi. People, a lot of players hated him. Yeah. But he brought out the best in them. You know, so... So, I was, mean, so is it lonely then, bringing out the best in other people? I mean, that's what I try to do. And I know. I'm, so I'm lonely. lonely? I'm, I'm lonely most of the time. See, that's awful. <laughs> <laughs> you that's know, what I mean. it's lonely. It's like... But it's my thing. I want to help people get better. It's a trade-off. Yeah. There's always a trade-off. And then I work with people that have huge egos oftentimes. 
And I'm just like, well, if you I know everything, Sam, then you Sam can't learn winked. anything. Sam just winked at me. Did when I? I said that? I didn't. Like, I, did, like, I did not I just wink at people, you. People, big eagles, and he went wink, wink. And I'm I like, did not. That's by the way, that's a fallacy, people. That's absolute <laughs> bullshit. It's not true. Uh, oh, but I am drinking. I'm drinking uh, Bang Champagne. That's beautiful. So, um, I will tell you, um, from one who has a huge ego, um, I, I know a lot about. Do. Well, I mean. That's because you know me. But when you first met me, you may have thought differently. But when I first met you, I was like, okay, there's layer number one. Yeah. But Let's you see. like peeling people yes. back. It's, you're fascinated with that. So I am fascinated. I'm fascinated by personality. Yeah. When I was younger, I used uh, ego uh, because I was afraid of a lot of things. So I, I would puff myself up to feel really important. Mm. And uh, here's the thing. My therapist, check this out. Yeah. <laughs> That's what my therapist told me. <laughs> I, he goes, the first phone conversation I had with you, Sam, you were telling me you're a best-selling author, you're this and you're that, and you, did, and you had all these accolades. And he goes, quite frankly, after I got, on, I got online, looked at your you know, YouTube channel and all this kind of stuff, and he goes, I was totally scared shitless to even visit with you. Yeah, It totally you, freaked me out. You worked him. You worked him. Right. You worked him. I did. And he goes, I was totally intimidated. I'm like, he, I'm like damn it. Like, that's not, a, that's not something I want. I want to just be mm. a show up for who I am. And not have to throw all this shit out there that says I'm special and I'm really cool. And I'm note, I'm noteworthy, you know, cause in the end, what does all that mean? Well, it means you get paid sometimes. Yeah. Well, I want to be paid. I know. I'm not, it's, I'm just saying like what you're asking is the big to my, to, in my opinion, you're asking the huge, the huge question, the introspective question of what, what the frick does any of it matter? Like, I mean, I have to give a shout out to the massage bar again in Lehigh. I just had a massage again today. And you you she feel, killed me. Yeah, you don't have the edge you had last week. No. Right? You were pissed gosh. off last week. I was pissed off. And so massage bar in Lehigh, call her Whitney doll. You look it up and you'll find her. Anyways, she'll wreck you, but you feel so good afterwards. And then but, you got to put in a sweat teepee afterwards, sounds like. Yeah, they made like this tent and you're like in the tent with just your head sticking out. And then it's like steam comes in with essential oils and you can just feel your body like i meditated she said this is a, she said to me before this is a good opportunity for you to meditate and i i saw some weird things like as i was meditating like i had some weird thoughts and some clarifying thoughts and good. um and then you feel like it's all finally out all the negatives you got the negative mojo and then, and then I walk out and I get two consults of rape and this and that. Oh, and, you know, it's like, boom, right back at you. Wow. But the world just comes at you again. Good grief. But, but um, you have these moments of clarity and that's what that gives me. That, yeah, you need The to. massage and the steam and anyways, and Anya, no, Enya, Enya, sorry. Oh, Enya, yeah, Enya, yeah. But, um. It's just, uh, it, it makes you, that's what I've always thought. I was like, what does it matter? Like people always want to define uh, intelligence by how many degrees you have. Or if you went to law school, medical school, if you work on Wall Street, if you are whatever. But in the end, intelligence is nothing other than what we make it. I mean, we decide what is intelligent and what is not. Nobody else does. So it's what we give credence to. To me, the people that spend a, a, a lifetime trying to learn from one another and other people in other situations, they're the most intelligent of all people. Well, they definitely have gathered. I mean, why, why? They've gathered a lot of info. Why is Google so powerful? Because it has the data. It has all the, it has all the info. 
Yeah, it has a lot of it. It knows how you think. It knows how this, that. It can predict it. It's the same thing to someone who listens, right? Who listens in a crowd. They're gathering all the information and therefore can apply it correctly or can see it from the outside. So someone with a huge ego has a hard time listening. They won't listen. They won't. This is what Ryan talks about. He says, um, you just won't listen because your idea has to be the best idea. But those are, you know, and I, this is so sick how I think. But I think I love the person with the ego because I know I'm going to win. Right, because you'll attack the ego and, and the ego is not logical. Yeah, get them off center. Yeah, the, the, the ego needs recognition and praise and power. Yes. And, uh, and, you, and if you know something, you're dealing with someone with a huge ego, it gives you a target to swing at. Yeah, I already know, I already know the playbook. The playbook, is, and I know how I'm going to handle it and how I'm going to win, and then more success, and then more clients, blah, 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 blah. It just goes down the line. Right. You use the you use your identifier, your ego identifier, to get a critical advantage in, in the courtroom. Yeah, I wouldn't, which is cool. yeah, I wouldn't want you to teach other lawyers <clears throat> stuff. That's the selfish part of me. Yeah, I'm not. I know. I'm just telling you. Like, I'm just saying. Like, I'm not going to do a training course on ego anytime soon. <laughs> you should. You should do, we like, should I, like I, with my background, like my huge ego, I'm going to be like, well, I'm qualified to be. How perfect in, would that be, though? Well, that's only that if I get rid of ego. my ego. If I find a way to get rid of it. Knowing you have an ego, in fact, makes you get rid of your ego. Well, it makes you be more aware of it. Nah, it makes you get rid of it because you know now you know allegedly that it's a weakness. I think, it, I think it has some positives in certain scenarios, but you know it's a weakness, and I know how you are with weaknesses. You don't like them. I hate them. Yeah, so they're but gone. But where is what makes you stronger, right? You, yeah. yeah. Of course, correct on a weakness, and right. then you get better. And but half the problem is admitting who you really are, and if you really think you have an ego. I think you used to have an ego. I think life happens and takes your ego away sometimes. I think, uh, I think it just strips you of your ego. I think, yeah, I think God definitely finds yeah. a way to do that. I think the moment you think you're all that in a bag of chips, you get kicked in the balls and you want to throw up. I've had that thought, dude. <laughs> I've had that thought when I'm like, <laughs> I know that's thought. terrible. Forgive me if we offended no, people. I, I know that I've been sitting in my room alone sometimes and I'm thinking I'm successful. And then I'm like, crap. Now that I've even had that thought, something's coming. Yeah. Something's going to challenge you. Yeah. Something's coming. And then sure enough, something always does. Something always does. It just does. Like, it's like, oh, crap. God, I hope you didn't hear me say that. But I know you did. But can you just spare me this time? Right. Of whatever you're sending my way. Yeah. So my thing with God is like, okay, what am I supposed to do? Like, if I can do what you want me to do, I'll probably succeed at it. I'm going to be less. I'm going to try to be less about it's all me and more about it's all you. And then what can I do that's right? See, but here's my problem I've always had with that thought process. Is like, does God really, because I've, I've thought about that before, do it, or does God want me to choose something and go full bore and he'll either intercept and move me somewhere else or show me a different way? I don't know which way that's supposed to go, but I have always struggled with that. Is, is, should I be asking him what I should do or should I just go? Well, I think I have a theory on that. You want to hear my theory? Of course I do. Yes, yes. Let's so um, here's my theory, and you're going to probably find some holes in it. Okay, so I That's believe my favorite thing to do. nothing bad can come from God, and nothing good can come from Satan. What about short-term bad? I, let, let, you, let me just finish the logic, okay, and you blow it all down. All right, fine. So if you get a good idea, yeah. and you're using your brain, and you're using your thoughts, and you're using your knowledge, and it's a good idea, and you feel good about it, yeah. Probably not from the devil. 
Okay. Probably from God. Um, so I think sometimes doing God's will is found in receiving inspiration, spiritual inspiration through meditation and, mm-hmm. and revelation, personal revelation. Yeah. I also think doing God's will can be found in just getting a good idea and go doing it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I believe that we all have a compass inside of us that tells us basic right and basic wrong. And we know what's, we know the basic difference between good and bad, right? Yes. Yeah. And, um, and I believe that you have a regulator that does that for you. And, right. um, as long as you're following, um, that regulator, mm-hmm. that, uh, that compass, that compass then, and you're doing good things, then that's all good. The moment you try to do it for your own like aggrandizement or because of your own ego or to puff you up or to be the richest man in the world or to, you know, to, to have more because you want more instead of being happy with enough, you know, um, and I'm not saying it's not right to go out and build wealth and, 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 and be wealthy financially or, you know, having affluence like Deepak would say, but mm-hmm. the answers are not out there as much as they're inside of you. Right. So I believe that you have, uh, within you, the things that you should do, right? And I think it comes from your, your good ideas and your own insight and conscience. And I also believe it comes from God. So I think when you have dark ideas and like when you have indulgent anger, when you have greed and when you have the, you know, seven deadly sins kind of thing, I believe that very little good comes out of that. Um, and it's, it's motivated by dark powers instead of light powers. Well, so I'm sure well, that's full of flaw. Well, logically. Well, it depends on how you define bad and good. I mean, because there's a lot of bad that's happened and then good comes from it. Oh, absolutely. So this is why I think even though you have a shit storm of life, yeah, you can make it good because good can come out of bad. So, so we've had bad, a pandemic. So it's well, bad, bad. Bad is bad, but, but good can come from bad. But then God can give us bad then. God's not the author of bad. I didn't say we, the author, but God can give us bad in order to give us good. Yeah, by give us light, By giving us life in this existence. That was a bad idea. It's where good and bad is. Right. But, you know, but I don't there's know. a way that, okay. He can let bad happen to you. That's what I would say. God can let bad happen to you. I think God, I think it's more than let. I think it, he wants bad to happen to you. Of course, because he wants to test you. See yeah. how you are. Yeah. See what you're made of. Yeah. If Satan was really smart, he'd just have good happen to all of us. Yeah, but he's not that smart. I know. Well, he, he just should, wants to take away your freedom. Me. Well, you know what? Here's the thing. The reason Satan fell ego he wanted the glory he wanted it all so that's fascinating because because i had a really long conversation with someone about satan and last week very fascinating it was actually very enlightening and in mormon philosophy and doctrine theology whatever i mean whatever you want to call but yeah i mean satan that that is always satan has always been an interesting subject for me a very fascinating subject because if he truly was, you know, like the uh, one of the high ups up there, right? Like one of the most righteous and then fell from that. Like if you're that intelligent, you've got to think there's a way out. Like either your ego's so big, I guess, that you think there's a way out or there's some glimpse. I always think about this from an attorney perspective. Like there's sometimes I can find just little things that someone says in cross-examination that I can blow up so big that I have a chance at winning the case. Did Satan find something so little that he can blow up so big that gives him an opportunity to win? He thinks he's going to win. 
No, no, Otherwise, you wouldn't right. do it. Right, right, right. But I mean, just like something so minuscule that he's just blown up into bigger. That yeah. Anyway, but I mean, so he, my, my thinking on well, my thinking on this is he did everything he did to try to convince people to follow him because of his ego. He wanted the glory, and he wanted to. You know, he had this plan that we would come to earth and be compelled to do what was good. And Christ had Father's plan, which gave us, you know, to come to earth and be exposed to good and evil. We could choose for ourselves what we'd do. And then he would he would come down and be the, um, the savior of us all. And, and then, you know, we'd all have a chance to return with God. But Satan wanted everybody to return with God, and he wanted himself to get the glory. And that, to me, like that, that speaks of a huge ego greater than God. Yeah. And I think that's why he got jacked up. And I think he got banned, you know, kicked out of heaven kind of thing. Now we're talking a little bit, I think this is Mormon doctrine a little bit. So for our listeners, I mean, it's fascinating. I mean, I think if you're Christian, you believe in Satan. So, I mean, yeah. So, but he does have powers and he does have influence and he does. He definitely does. I mean, if you, yeah. But his goal is for everyone to be miserable. You ever read the hero cycle by Joseph Campbell? No, sounds like a book I need to read. So he goes through all religions, um, including Christianity, and talks about how uh, the God in each religion basically has the same cycle. Exactly. Right. The this is cycle. like, sounds like Carl Jung, like a Jung thing. Jung, yeah, yeah. He definitely got, I mean, Joseph Campbell definitely takes some stuff from him, but um, Joseph Campbell definitely dove deeper into it all. It's very fascinating. I read it in college. His stuff was really mind-blowing, actually. And yeah. so, but... I don't know. Ego, ego is an interesting one. Ego is, I think when you think you deserve things because of who you are, what you know, then you got problems. Yeah, ego loves justice. Oh man, they love justice. Justice must be served. No justice exists. Yeah, you know what? Guess what? Bad things happen to everybody, and and bad things happen to people every day. So justice ain't served half the damn time. And lady justice ain't blind either. No, no, she's still got ears. And she's biased. <laughs> she's, so biased. <laughs> she's totally biased. Oh. You know, there's no such thing as perfection uh, when when it comes to any judicial system. No. I mean, I think we get close to being good here in this country. We try, we try, but we still have our problems. That we need, have big problems, and because of ego, we don't get to the root of it. I think definitely there's something to that. I think their justice system. There's a lot of power in our justice system. Probably more power than I think any other branch. Yeah, I think I think you, the the ideology of our justice system is that you're innocent until proven guilty. You have certain inalienable rights. Mm-hmm. You know, you're supposed to be treated fairly under the law, and these are all great aspirations. But I don't know how well we execute on it half the time. Now, if I was yeah. black, I'd probably think completely differently that it was not just and not fair. Right. Right. So, I mean, I understand that. Um, especially when you look at the data around how many black men are in prison versus college, you know, the struggle. Yes. Yeah, so let me ask you stuff. this question. So if a black, and this is, I want your opinion on this and I've never asked you this before, but like supposed to be judged by, um, our peers, right? So if a black man is charged with a crime, should he have an all black jury? I think that he should have an impartial jury. Yeah. What I would say is I'd want him to have an integrated jury, both white and black and, that have would have a balance male and female male female white and black and if he's black that you know it's male female white and black that there's a balance there that's not the, that's not the case i watched a movie last week called just mercy it was just horrific oh, dude, absolutely that, oh. horrific bullshit and um and and you know i was listening to i was on a call this week where a dear friend of mine a teammate um brilliant black man 
um, one of my teammates uh, was a consultant um, in Delaware and he was doing some interviews and he proceeded, he was on this road and he was driving down the highway and it was bad weather. It was in the winter and uh, the two of their lanes were icy and he was in the third lane and he was pulled over by a white cop mm-hmm. and this is a very low traveled road. So there was not a lot of traffic. As he pulled over, uh, he asked the cop why he was pulled over because he was driving exactly the speed limit. And he said, well, you're driving in the left lane, which is the fast lane. And he said, well, the other two lanes were icy and it's safer to drive in the left lane. And the next thing you know, he's on his belly getting cuffed and right. just just completely abused by a, black, by a white police officer. And then he, in that moment, he was struck with fear because, you know, as the time elapsed, five, ten minutes... And he was being hammered by this white cop for no reason, right? For none, none reason. Mm-hmm. Um, he thought to himself, I'm going to get, I'm going to die. This guy's going to kill me. Right. And then he went into the yes, sir, no, sir. He totally went into the capitulation compliance game and he made out of it. He, he got out of the situation on relatively unscathed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he got home and then he said he, he was so angry. He talked to his dad till 6 a.m. in the morning because he had to be talked down from the ludge. And I thought to myself, oh, what is it in a, in, a, in a man that would cause him to do that to another man? And it was so offensive to me to hear that from my teammate. I was so angry for him. I was so pissed off. I, I wanted to physically harm the cop that did that to him. But the problem is that's the problem. That's one of the problems that Black Lives Matter, you know, Black Lives Matter or the social injustice. This is the kind of stuff that... I can't relate to, you can't relate to because the color of our skin. Correct. We've never been put in that kind of situation solely because of the p- color of our skin. Correct. And um, and this these these guys just need to be heard. We just need to understand it, have empathy yeah. around it so we can move past it. We'll never get past it until we can talk about it Man. without such damn um, venom. But, but if I'm them and I've had that kind of experience, I'm going to talk about it with venom. Right. You, well, like, what do you, you do? What you would want an all black jury. Totally want an all black jury. That's my point. Is like, there's two ways to get rid of it. When, at least when it applies to cops, and both things have to do with money. One, all cops. This is my Brian Arnold opinion. All cops need cameras on them, twenty four seven. Like you just. Well, that's that's records. what it's coming to because you, you know, yeah. they they say only a few bad cops. You know, well that's number one. Everybody. Here's number two, and this is this is. This is one those this this is one of those rare circumstances, at least right now, where I agree with the Democrats on something, is we need to get rid of their flat out immunity. Cops oh, totally. Cannot, they need to be accountable. They no, need, I'm with you. I mean, you can't listen. You go to your job, you don't have immunity. I go to my job, I don't have immunity. I can screw with people's lives just as much as a cop can as a lawyer, if not more. Right. I don't have immunity. No, you don't from my actions. And if that cop knew that if he cuffed a black man when he shouldn't be cuffed without, you know, without some kind of repercussion. Yeah. Yeah. Without some kind of something, something by the law that that black man could then sue him individually. Then I think things change quickly. Yeah. There needs to be some kind of, I don't know what the answer is, but I do think there needs to be a systemic change that way. That cop might still be racist, but guess what? You're going to be broke. Yeah. Or he's not going to be a cop. Or he's not going to be a cop. That's my point is like, it always comes down to money. Like if you don't have real consequences, nothing will really ever happen. 
Right. If you want to change behavior, just put paycheck connected to it. You have to, because that's how we exchange value in this society is money. Hmm. So if I'm not going to lose what is of most value, then then what's stopping me? So, okay. So, so what you're saying is legislating a process of that cops have to use, right? Yeah. No, well, I mean, that, the, that would be difficult to enforce that, wouldn't it? No, 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 not that cops have to use. Legislate that they don't have immunity if they use unreasonable force and out, act outside. You can even use ne- uh, gross negligence or something or willful. Something that makes it personally accountable. Right. I think there's a, I think they're probably moving in that direction. Yeah, but here's the problem is the, is the, the government is saying, well, we don't want to have to pay... If they screw up, well, good. That's fine. Don't just make, make it them, personal. Yeah, make them pay like a make civil. Make them go take out and make a civil uh, civil case. Yeah, out have them go take out malpractice insurance, right? Like, well, yeah, and cops don't make that much money anyway. So. No, but I mean, like, if you really want, it, come on, you know as as well as I do, money's a motivator. Well, it's totally a motivator. And if you're not making that much as a cop, well, then maybe we make them go get more education and pay them more. I don't know. You know something, but there's got the immunity has got to go. Well, cops in Canada and um, cops and um, teachers and cops in Canada make make a really good living compared to teachers and cops here. Well, that's what I've always been for legalizing marijuana. Use all the proceeds, the taxable proceeds, to pay teachers more, cops more, firemen more. Those you should run things. for mayor. Oh my gosh, I wouldn't run. You, freaking no way. You should run. For, I, no I'll way. give you. I'll give you your first check. <laughs> I want like Brian for Arnold for mayor. I'll Dude, be your campaign that's manager. Caseville, Caseville in the cannabis city. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I wanna, I'm gonna like petition Brian Arnold to run no. for mayor because Kim forbid me to do it. She won't let me do it. I would love to see you as mayor. I want to do it as mayor. I, I'm thinking uh, about running for mayor and just not even telling her. I think but that's then a brilliant. She, idea. She'd be so pissed off, and then win the election, and she won't even know it. You know, and then you'll just be gone every Thursday night for city council. <laughs> <laughs> My uh, kids don't want me to run. I just feel like I need to. We have such a dysfunctional. Mayor Witt was an idiot. I don't care if you listen, Mayor. Witt. I don't care if I see you at the freaking gym. I'm sorry. You made some stupid decisions. Yeah. Well, anyway, I'm for <laughs> transparency in government. I'm all for transparency. I want to show everything. Everything. Yeah. Go ahead. Like, I want to open up everything. That's what I want to do. Yeah, complete transparency. Then you won't have all these egos. No crazy egos going on and you'd have what's best for the constituents of the city. I mean, why wouldn't people want to pay if I require, you know, if I was governor or whatever and require cops to go get a four year education. I mean, that would eliminate a lot of problems just there. But then I paid them more, but I got rid of immunity, paid teachers more, firemen more like. Well, you wouldn't even need to do that. You could just pay for the cops's college education. Like you enter the academy. I I wouldn't do that. Let me tell you why I wouldn't do that. Okay. Because I want them to sacrifice just like everyone else that sacrifices to go through school to get a real, like, like a, a teacher. Job. You yes. have to be a four year degree to be a yes. teacher and then you get paid 16,000 a year for a teacher. Well, that's stupid. First of all, <laughs> that's what they get. I know. I don't get ridiculous amount. Well, that's because we use, we use our tax. Okay. I mean, this is like, get me on a soapbox, but we Good. use our taxes completely wrong. I mean, we do. I mean, just go look at the budget. It's, it's ridiculous. Like we're not investing in our youth. We're not investing in our communities. We're not investing in the right places. We're investing in special interest groups and projects because they're the ones that get people elected with money. Yeah. Which give benefit a lot of times to the politicians themselves. Of course it does. Yeah. 
Because there's no way you become governor of Utah to make $120,000 a year. Is that what he makes? Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, Good grief. Stupid judges make more than they do in Utah and have better pensions. Oh, my God. Think about that for a second. I mean, this is stupid. That's just brutal. Yeah. So you don't become, why would you run for governor then? You can't exactly. even pay your mortgage. Well, why would our best and brightest run for governor? They won't. Why they would won't. you? Well, at least if Congress, you get lifetime health care. Uh, well, yeah, so do judges. And pension. In you? Utah, they get lifetime health care. Do they? If you become a judge? Yeah, you just got to do 10 years. So are you ever, do you have any aspiration of being a judge? Then, Never. Right? Nope. Judge Arnold? Nope. The Honorable Judge Brian Arnold. Nobody can Everybody, wear sneakers please, every day. Please stand up. And, oh, man, I'd be so pissed off. I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want the bailiff to have everyone stand up. But they do, they do though. They do, but I, I remember when you to. represented me in a court, I had to stand up. <laughs> I like, had to stand up too. <laughs> like, and you were in a nice suit and everything. Oh, I haven't, like, gotten, oh. A, I haven't gotten a nice suit in months, man. <laughs> That's the first time ever in my life I was I was in a courtroom because I had broken the law. No, 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 no. You had allegedly broken the law. Oh, that's true. I had allegedly broken the law. And as long as I Mm -hmm. don't bring a firearm on an airplane, you know, or try in the next year, then I'll be good. Yeah, you're totally fine. Yeah, but. I mean, that should be easy. Yeah. It's not like doing 91. So how do we teach our kids the difference between ego and confidence? I don't think you can. I I think they're too young. I think until a certain age, they won't understand it. I think you... Here's the, my philosophy has always been, if I had a daughter, I'd want her to be the cockiest, confident person I could because they face so much as teenagers. And then as they get old, and this is just philosophy, like, I don't know if this works or not, okay? Because I don't have a teenage girl. But I do. Yeah. I have a teenage girl. But I'd want them to have as much confidence as possible. And then as they got older, I'd teach them about these other things. I think as a teenage girl, you have egos are huge problems. And I think gossip and ego and fear, like fear. Fear, fear is the problem. Well, fear is the problem that causes the ego. That's what right? I mean. Yeah, fear of I rejection, guess. fear of people being critical yes. of you, fear, 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 yeah. guilt, you know, fear. Fear, though. I think fear. I think as I watch teenage girls, I'm like, frick, you're only doing that because you're fearful that she's going to do this. And she's only doing that because she's fearful that Susie over there is going to do something else. Yeah, everybody's fearful. Everybody's afraid. Yes. At some point in time. So you know what else this book talks about, about ego? Oh, boy. You're going to hate it. Okay. That's it. Love. No, stop it. <laughs> stop this love crap. Does it Sorry, really, that has me excited. Really I totally like talks about love. Love as sort of the antidote to ego. It's so <sighs> good. It's so good, man. I'm like, Brian's going to be disgusted. Ah, love. Oh, get the <laughs> frick out of here. I care for the human race as a whole, but I don't love the human race as a whole. I care for them because well, I'm I would say that's society. love. That's a form of love. Yeah, whatever. I mean, like, love doesn't conquer all, though. I mean, it doesn't. I think about just okay. You watched Just Mercy, okay? Let me yeah. let me just say something about that movie. That's the type of movie that lawyers hate to watch. Let me tell you why. Because then we feel like crap that we're not doing that. That we're not on death row helping people. We feel, and I'm over here doing divorce and other law, and I'm like, I walked out of the movie theater after I saw. It, I'm like, I'm a freaking loser. Well, I mean, it's all the way you look at it, dude. You could say. Well, you're a divorce lawyer, but you're you're freeing people who are you know but in the, terrible relationships, and you're liberating people. Yeah, but as a little boy or a little girl, you dream about going to law school for that reason, but just mercy. Like, yeah, but that doesn't pay the bills. I mean, this guy was a Harvard. Problem. He was a Harvard grad. Brilliant. He was brilliant. Yeah, and and uh, he wrote. This is based on a true story in Alabama, and I've been to Alabama, and, and this 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 just mercy 
it was in 1987 that this movie was taking place. And this is about the time that I was mm. playing football and, and, and living in the South. And this is some very real shit that the, 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 these guys faced. And a lot of my teammates, there was a cross burning on Georgia Tech's campus when I was, when I was at Georgia Tech. Are you Tech. serious? Were you were there? When I was there. And I'm like, I, and you know, here's the thing. My, one of my teammates was telling me all about this. And I'm like, I never knew it as a player. How did you not know it? That's my question. Was I that ignorant? No. I was really embarrassed of my ignorance. No, because I think the way you were brought up, you didn't care what color of anybody's skin was, but you would be pissed off if someone else did. Yeah, but I mean, why Why wouldn't that register on my... It didn't even make my radar. I will say this. is serving a mission in South Carolina in 1999 to 2001, I did feel safer being white. And oh, that, of course you did. And that's when you know racism exists. You feel safer being a certain skin color. Yeah, yeah. And Jacob was like, when he was in Africa for two years, just returning from his mission, he said, Dad, there was times where I didn't feel safe as a white person. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> and I said, well, now you know how black people feel in the <laughs> South. Because yeah. because you were surrounded by people of different color and, um, and, and you were oftentimes um, in fear for your life. And even though you were doing good... Um, you know, it gave him a wonderful perspective that he couldn't have gotten anywhere else. Right. 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 You don't understand it until you understand it. Like, right. Until you experience it. You yes. don't understand it until you experience it right. and learn from it. That's what I would say. Right. And then you still don't know. Then you really don't know. Yeah. It's just, it's just hard. That's why if you know everything, you can't learn anything. Right. Yeah. I remember on Twitter when all this Black Lives Matter stuff was coming up and people were saying, well, if you've benefited from black culture and you like rap or You've benefited from the NBA. You should be standing up. And I thought, wow, that's a fascinating way to look at things. And it's the wrong way to look at things, but it's a fascinating thing. Because then what? White people, if you've benefited from something a white person's done, you should like stick up. For, no, it's stupid. You should just be a normal human and stick up yeah. for human beings. It would be nice if we just didn't have to have all that positioning of everything. Why, why do you always need a position? Yeah, why don't we just... Love one another. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and why don't we just see the good in one yeah, another and, and coexist peacefully? Why can't we just have capitalism and realize that everybody has value and basing things on people's skin color is not going to help you become more capitalistic? I don't, I don't think so. I was, it's interestingly enough, I was taught, even though it was really tripped out, a little weird childhood experience. Right. It was, um, I was taught not, not to look at color a lot. Like I don't, I mean, like I remember being really young and some of my dad's friends living with us and they were black and it was like, like it was really, it wasn't awkward or uncertain. This is in the 1960s and seventies. So right down the civil rights movements times. Yeah. And I'm like, I didn't think anything weird of it at all. But no, boy, looking you know back normal. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, so, so when I moved to the South, when I went from like Vegas to the South, it freaked me out because there's so much prejudice there yeah. in the late seventies, early eighties. Right. And I'm like, and there's still, I'm sure there's still a great deal of prejudice there. We've been, we moved from Georgia 15 years ago and we, we still saw it. My kids, my kids had a really hard time moving back here because um, they were like, my son Bo was like, he go, he went to high school and he's like, dad, there's no black people here. Right. And he was comfortable. In a, Right. He was in a fully integrated, like half and half kind of mm -hmm. Hispanic, black, white. I mean, it was, it was a fully integrated school system. And, um, 
And he was just really uncomfortable. So the yeah. three black guys that were like at Davis High School became his best friends. Of course they did. Because <laughs> it made him feel comfortable. More, yeah, it felt normal. It did feel normal for him. Yeah, we're very... Um, we're very white. In very white in where we live. There are definitely places that are have better color yeah. in Utah. But we live in a very white, um, white city, white community. Yeah. I think... I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how to fix all this. All right. So so what kind of wisdom can we drop on some people that they can pick up about this ego thing? Just give me a moment. Give me a gem about what you think ego does and how if we could check it, how it would be, how it'd be better for us. Uh, I'd say if you're feeling ultra confident about your life, you've got an ego and you've got something bad coming. So always be looking to try and improve yourself, stay humble, and stay a student. I like that. I think I like that. So I think ego gets in the way of learning. Oh, it totally does. And I think it blinds you to awareness, and I think it causes a lot of ignorance. Mm. So because um, this uh, this journey we're on here is a journey of learning, and uh, my admonishment to everybody uh, would be to try to let go of your ego and replace it with um, inquiry. Mm. listening, being fascinated and learning from others. Not love, huh? Well, <laughs> the motivation behind the inquiry would be love because you love somebody. Oh my God. So that's what we're going to go out on. And, oh, you know, love, we love all of you guys and we love you check all. your ego at the door. As Dr. Covey used to say, check your ego at the fucking door. <laughs> and maybe you learn something. <laughs> you, yeah. You'll love somebody. <laughs> Dude. Oh, have a great weekend. Have a great weekend. Life karma out. Peace out, people. Ego is the enemy. Get rid of it. Always on ten. Always too loud. Always too hard for this bougie ass crowd. Even these haters.